When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. It's the day after National Signing Day. I'm joined by Tim Priester and Tim O'Malley, as always. A lot to break down from yesterday. Notre Dame signed 23, missed on a 24th last night in Caleb Kelly. A potential 24th, maybe Demetrius Robertson next week. But in terms of the guys that we saw signed with Notre Dame, or the five who are already enrolled, I mean... Was this class more about the individual players, about the class overall, how it fit in with previous classes? Um, what was sort of your big takeaway from Wednesday? I, I thought Notre Dame did a much better job of fulfilling needs this year than last year. Looking back at last year's grades, uh, for the D-line we had D-plus, for safety we had D-plus. Not only were they, not only did they bring in much more talent in those spots, but they also uh, added numbers. So I, I'm, I'm much happier... Uh, looking at this class than last year uh, at, at this time. And, you know, you look at quarterback, and when you hear Mike Sanford talk about Ian Book, you, you have to walk away saying, okay, that was the right guy for Notre Dame in the offense. And, you know, I'm not sure that I buy into the whole thunder and lightning thing with the running backs, but but we'll see. And, and the back end of the defense, I, I, I love the corners, and I think Devin Studd still at safety is a real standout. I think they did a really, really fine job, and I, I would say – if not a much better job than last year, definitely a better job. Plus, I think what Pete mentioned, naturally, when you're in year six, it's important that they fit. with the, it's, it's fitting with the program. As you said, they did fill needs, but you're trying to – it's just continuing to build in the program. It's not like 2011 where you bring in, look at this talent up front. We need these guys. These guys are going to make us good. It's we have good players. We brought in more good players. And now you can argue they don't have enough difference makers in this class. I think Claypool could be one. But, you know, you can't go by sleepers as your difference makers right. either. So Robertson would have to be the difference maker. I think there's difference makers on defense. And we're, I know we're probably going to get into this, but Tim pulled us, uh, pulled everybody on, on staff, their top 25 guys ranked. Um, that was back when, you know, with, with the prospects involved and Robertson and everything. I liked about 17 of them. And I don't think I think of that class that way. Mm-hmm. I don't think I... I would be like, wow, this is maybe his third best class or something like that. But I like 17 or 18 of the players individually. So apparently I do feel that way. It's... I, and to me, it was, it's a class you can look at it however you want to look yeah. at it. You can look at it as it's got a lot of developmental guys. You, got it. you can look at it as a guy, there's a lot of great fits for position. Mm-hmm. You can look at it as there's not a lot of elite talent. You can look at it as the second worst class of the Brian Kelly era. Because when you look at the team rankings, Scout 13th, Rivals 12th, ESPN 16th, 24-7 12th. It's only the second time in Kelly's tenure that they failed to crack the top ten of at least one service, and the other time was the 2010 class, the bridge which class. Which doesn't was, count at all. I mean, so, that's, yeah. But my point is, yeah. it's a lot closer to that class than sure. the junior class that just finished up and a lot of guys walked out the door. I think so, that's a little deceiving. I, I, I really do. I mean, who don't you? Who? I mean, what area well, that in this class you like, do you, you say like, you don't yeah. like? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't think it's. I, I don't think it's deceiving. I just think that it's a class that you can look at in a, in 
you know, 10 different ways. Because there are a lot of guys in this class. Like, I think Chase Claypool, for me, when we did our rankings, was a top five player. Yeah. Um, all of us ended up liking him. I yeah. thought it was way too high, but we all Overall, liked him. Overall, I think this. I like the safeties way more than I did last year, obviously. Um, the defensive linemen, I like a lot more last than last year, even though they had the same number of bodies overall. Um, quarterback is a step back from Brandon Wimbush. Toughness on the offensive running line. Back, you know, offensive line was better. Receiver, kind of about the same. I would agree. Um you know, defensive line better. Linebacker would be down uh, yeah. considerably. That would uh, be the only area that I would point to. That but Dalen Hayes has moved from linebacker to defensive line. Corner you know, kind of a wash from last year. I really like Troy Pride. I, I, think, oh, yeah, I really yeah. like Troy Pride. I, I, I like this year's better, but I think collectively those two, that, that that's a good that's group the key, of corners the two together to really work yeah, with. Good class. Class. I, I, like Nick Coleman and Julian Love seem very similar to me. Troy Pride and Sean Crawford, I like both their games about the same. I mean, Dante Vaughn is a bit of a wild card for me in this class overall. He's, I love Dante. He's kind of one of those guys <laughs> who are just like, a boom, to me, he's a boomer bust yeah. type prospect. Um, just I just don't know how he's going to yeah. fit. Um, I like, but when Todd Light gets up there and he's like, because I, I was asking for, give me a Notre Dame comparison. Who does he remind you of that's played here? And he's like, yeah, Richard Sherman. <laughs> But he was talking. Okay. He, he was talking size there, right? I mean, he was talking. I don't know. No, I think he was talking size. I'd say I, I like. Okay. I think physically, a, a physical maturity. I think Julian Love is going to be much further ahead than where, and that's why Coleman couldn't get on. Ultimately, couldn't get on the field this year because he just wasn't physically mature right. enough yet. Right. Crawford, I think, but. Yeah, well, yeah, he would have. And I think Julian Love does have that physical maturity. And even, you know, I think we had a a C-plus on the running backs. But at least theoretically, you got a power back, which which you needed. So, I I, I mean, I like, from top to bottom, I like this class a lot better than last year's. Where was last year's rated? Uh, It was 6th on Scout, 11th on Rivals, 13th on ESPN, and 11th on 24-7. Now, the number one rated class on signing day is clearly the 11 class, right, that you did across the board? The 2011, the Tuit class. No, no, it was... 13? It was the junior class. So the junior class... Well, they are the best, though. The junior class was the best, and it was by far the highest rated. It was 5th on Scout, 3rd on Rivals, 4th on ESPN, 6th on 24-7. The Lynch, Tuit, Williams class was the second best class that went... 8th, 10th, 9th, 8th. So that class, I just pulled it up because I did something of this in the summer for what you, you it, what's really hard to know. You're going down the list. There's three five stars, right? There mm-hmm. was two at Lynch and, and Eshek. Bunch of four stars like Golson and Nicholas. If you go down that list, it's a it's a large class too. Is it 25 at that time? 24, 25? I'm just gonna, not even going to say the names of the guys, okay? Although if you're watching on TV, you can see this. I'm either saying yes or no. Okay? And if there's a superlative, I'll throw it in. Yes, great. Absolutely not. Great, but transferred. Absolutely not. Yes. Maybe. No. Maybe. No. 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 Kind of. <laughs> Fine. You've got a lot of descriptions. Okay. There, <laughs> no. Injured. Yes. Kind of. Absolutely not. That's the second best class. How they ended their careers. That's recruiting. I yeah. Mean, I mean, that's what's interesting is the the year after that. The T. Shepard, Gunnar Keel, Sheldon Day early enroll group. That actually was 16th on Scout, 20th on Rivals. Very small class. 9th on ESPN yeah. and 19th on 24-7. Size hurt that class a lot. Yeah. But I think even if you took all those transfers out, Keel leaves, <laughs> Shepard leaves, Mahone leaves. Was that Devontae Neal? Yes. You're ready Justin for the, Ferguson? This is good time. But the, but the guys they hit on, Russell, oh. Stanley. Jerron. 
Chris Brown, Jerron Jones. Process was yeah. Aquara in that group. Yes. And um, you know, Chris yeah, Brown, Aquara. Jerron I mean, Jones. It was um, the guys they hit on in that group yeah. were really, really good. I, ultimately, I think that's kind of it. Once things shake out, how good your 19th best player was in the class, nobody cares right. because the 19th best player probably didn't play. How good your top five players are. That's probably that's making a difference right. when you're making. I, I just want to go on record saying this class is way better than last year's, and and we see comparable yeah. ratings for. Uh, th- I like this last year's a, class though. I did. I I, I what I like this class better. <laughs> no, I like this class, but like, think of it though, like Tillery and Crawford. I'm talking about over the long. Oh, haul. Over the long we can't haul. Ju- okay. We yeah, can't yeah, judge yeah. it. We we can't give a final grade on sure. it now. But I, over the long haul, this class is going to be much more productive than last year's class. We'll see. You're, we'll on, see. Record. You're yeah. on record. Yeah. In four years, we'll only, come back to this. Yeah. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. Um, <laughs> I, I guess for me, one of the other themes that I wrote about in my column today was about just sort of the organization of the class, how it came together. Uh, and it, I don't know how many podcasts I've talked about this on over the year, but <laughs> Notre Dame was behind in recruiting for really four or five months until the Irish invasion rolled around. Four new coaches on staff, new recruiting department, people getting up to speed. And I, there was kind of a fun example of that on National Sunday. Tim and I are interviewing Todd Light up there. Scott Booker comes over to take him away to go talk to a junior named uh, Jameis uh, Williams, I think, from Georgia. How dare he take him away to talk to a future well, recruit, right? We were That's like, no, you can't stop the interview. <laughs> Last year at this time, that relationship was not being built because Kerry Cooks was Notre Dame's defensive backs coach right. on National Signing Day. So I think it just it speaks to how much better next year's group can be because they're right now they are where they need to be if not ahead. Whereas last year they, it was just a mad scramble at this time. I mean, what you know what the tenor of Notre Dame football was last February when you had Cooks leaving, Alford leaving. Matt LaFleur leaves on signing day. Brady Hoke's on staff for 45 minutes. Brian Kelly minutes. pissed at some of his coaches that are leaving. Yeah. yeah, it was a bad situation. <laughs> yeah, it was a mess. I mean, he was pissed. Yeah. <laughs> now, you've got... He's more mad now than what All staff continuity back. You have, I think, one to nine, the the best balance of a recruiting staff that Notre Dame has had under Kelly. One through eight. I'm saying one. Th- <laughs> I'll go one through nine. Brandon Gorder obviously struggles as a recruiter, but... Bob Elliott doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> So that's an extra guy. That Pretty much every, everyone is pulling some kind of weight on the recruiting trail now. And I don't think that's always been the case. Um, and I also think Mike Elston is a better recruiting coordinator than Tony Alford. Yeah. Because and he's much more organized in type A about Continuity it. counts. I mean, it counts with the, the, the contract extension. And I really think, I mean, I love the vibe. And I'm a little biased because I've been immersed in it for 34 years. But I love the vibe of of Todd Light and Autry Denson, two yeah. former players, mm-hmm. and the vibe that they bring to the whole Notre Dame experience. And the, you know, I mean, when when you when Autry Denson talks about being a former player and representing Notre Dame, he's glowing. I would commit to Autry yeah, Denson. Fired up about it. Wouldn't yeah. you? Pardon me. I would commit to Autry Denson if he came. Yeah, in absolutely. That's, I mean, I love Todd Light. I, and a, a player, and but, parents would wow. I would think would be. Really drawn to Autry yeah. Denson because he sells it. He but he, you know what? He doesn't have to sell it. He believes it, yeah. and it comes through as very, very genuine. You know, any other takeaways in terms of where things are going, or I think also sort of the targets for next year. You've got five commitments on board already. A national defensive end in Robert Beal, which is extremely rare for Notre yeah, Dame. Yeah, that's great. Um, two top tight ends: Cole Komet, Brock Wright, and a couple offensive Crucial linemen. They get tight ends in too. Yeah, because yeah. it's I think. This is probably a testament to how healthy Notre Dame's recruiting is right now. 
when your biggest needs are tight ends and offensive line yeah. and you're Notre Dame, like, well, duh, I mean, that's easy. Like, just snap my fingers and they, and they just come running. That's sort of where Notre Dame is now with guys like Stud Still and Kareem and Hayes. Uh, you know, the, I think receiver is never going to be an issue for Notre Dame. Um, you know, and quarterback won't either. And I think just sort of uh, a team news update from yesterday. Brian Kelly said that Brandon Wimbush, they plan to redshirt him next year. Um I won't go as far to say as, as first speculated on the Irish Illustrated Insider <laughs> podcast, but it is a good place for Notre Dame to be at the quarterback position because you extend Wimbush out, uh, and I think it's a, it's a real compliment to Ian Book on top of that, who, Tim, you mentioned earlier in the segment, Mike Sanford was adamant, borderline defensive about how good he thinks Ian Book right. could be. I mean, they they really believe in this kid, 30 touchdowns, How many times did he say he saw year. him in person? Did he say eight? Didn't he say that? Six or eight when he said it to us? Here's another thing I love, and Brian Kelly talked about, you know, naturally you start looking, okay, what are your priorities next year? He said offensive line, and then he said balance, meaning, you know, one or two here, one or two here, one or two here. And I think that, I mean, that's kind of, that's the ideal. You shouldn't be bringing in seven defensive backs in one year. No. No. Okay. But he also mentioned that, hey, we have to plan for juniors leaving too, and you got to anticipate. That too. So it's a little bit, it, as you move forward and guys leave early, and there's a proclivity for them to leave early, you know, more so as we saw this year, it's harder to maintain. It, it's harder not to have to suddenly get five at, at one position. Yeah. But it's nice to say, okay, our priorities are O-line and then balance after that. Look, I hope juniors leave early in the future, but that's not happening this year or the next. They, those guys were great. Jalen Smith and Will Fuller are the two of the best players that have ever played football in Notre Dame. So if you're going to be that good and leave early, that's fine. I mean, it's different than... When you have a top-five class, yeah. guys leave early because right. so you have what, a top-five class. Yeah, ask Urban Meyer about yeah. that because he was decimated his, his junior class. It's interesting you said, it's funny that, you know, offensive line and tight end, Pete, are this the, they're going to get those guys when they need them. And wide receiver's not a problem anymore, and it shouldn't be because, as we discussed with Denbrock yesterday, four, six years with Brian Kelly, four of them, a wide receiver is the team... Yeah, that was, a good, that was a good yeah. point by you, I thought. It's a remarkable thing, and it's three different guys. Who would have thought T.J. Jones or Will Fuller would be the team MVP when they were recruited to the team? Who would have thought these guys are going to be good starting wide receivers? I mean... You didn't he, even think... Well, we did. We went on record to say it, but, but most didn't even think that Will Fuller was the best receiver among the receivers coming in that year. It's incredible that, he's, that they've done that. I mean, I know Michael Floyd is more of a... You know, rare commodity, and you're not going to always bring that guy in. He's a team MVP as soon as you saw him come to the come to the first time he stepped in the stadium. But TJ Jones to develop into a team MVP, and Will Fuller to develop to a team <clears throat> MVP on a Fiesta Bowl team—that's pretty impressive recruiting tool you can use going forward too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no question. There's there's a lot of I think the the NFL pitch at that position. That's a, a position that you probably need some kind of NFL pitch to. And, and Notre Dame has it with Tate, Floyd, Fuller coming right. in next year. I think Torrey Hunter kind of a big year. Brian Kelly's already talking about Equimania St. Brown yesterday in terms of he's been the surprise of the freshman class already. Like, And as we've covered hundreds of Brian Kelly press conferences, he doesn't use the term surprise very lightly. Yeah, uh, but yeah he, he does he, not like that term, actually. No, he, said on, he said on a national podcast that St. Brown has been a surprise to him and maybe the best player in the sophomore to be sophomore class. I mean, I don't want to say I want to raise a red flag, red flag, but I'll raise a yellow flag as caution. And have we? T- <laughs> Jack thinks I'm going to say something controversial here. Uh, the edit button ready? No, no, no not today. Uh, I mean, maybe I said this in the last podcast. They're kind of running together, but 
I mean, equanimity of St. Brown hasn't proven himself at all. He 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 couldn't really he couldn't get in the mix this year. Before he had the shoulder injury, mm-hmm. he couldn't get in the mix of receiver. Now Chris Brown and Will Fuller had a ton to do with that. But I just want to I just want to raise a caution flag. Equanimity of St. Brown hasn't accomplished anything yet, and it seems like a lot of people are expecting him. Well, he's going to be the next All American, and he may very well be. We haven't seen it though, right? I mean, we no, I agree. we've heard yeah. the coaches talk about it, but we haven't. We didn't see it on the practice field when we had the five open practices in the fall, and we certainly didn't see it during the. I'm not saying that he wasn't impressive at all during there, that time. There but were definitely, I remember when, stop, but, when we were out. I think the last practice we saw in the stadium. Remember, remember they yeah. changed the jerseys, and we couldn't tell if it was him or Corey Robinson, and at that and that, and that was a good thing because we like, <laughs> this was Corey Robinson like catching everything. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Was like, wait a minute, is that? Yeah. Does that come in St. Brown? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. I mean, I'm not suggesting at all that St. Brown's not going to be a good football player. I'm just saying. He's one catch. You're right. Ca- it was not caution. A, we yeah. we haven't actually seen that yet. But your mm-hmm. point's well taken. Yeah. If Brian Kelly is saying surprise, that's a great sign as we move toward the spring. Yeah, no question. All right. Well, that's it for segment one. We've got a, a unique segment two today on National Signing Day. We had a chance to talk to eight of Notre Dame's nine assistant coaches. So we're going to go roll with interviews with four of them today for our segment two. It's you know, Tim, Tim, myself, um, sort of a mix and match with Mike Sanford, Autry Denson, Mike Elston, and Mike Denbrock. So you get a little bit more insight into the recruiting process of some of the guys he signed um, in terms of what it's like to recruit for Notre Dame. Autry Denson had some really interesting things to say about putting on the Notre Dame polo and how his Notre Dame reputation sort of has preceded him. Uh, and also just sort of his recruiting style, Mike Elston talking about uh, reworking the Notre Dame recruiting department. Mike Denbrock obviously talking about the receiver position. So all that in segment two on Irish Illustrated Insider. Hope you enjoy this unique look with Notre Dame's assistant coaches at the Irish Recruiting Office. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider. We're into our assistant coach National Signing Day interview segment. First up, Mike Sanford, Notre Dame's quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator. Spent a lot of time talking to him about Ian Book, why he thinks he's a fit. After that, you will hear from Mike Denbrock talking about Javon McKinley, Kevin Stefferson, and Chase Claypool. The recruiting process to get each of those, how it was a little bit different. Autry Denson talks about recruiting for Notre Dame. Also, the thunder and lightning aspect of Deion McIntosh and Tony Jones Jr., who he feels could be an early impact short yard solution for Notre Dame's offense. And then finally, Mike Elston at the end. More of a big picture conversation with him about the recruiting department, what changed from last year, how he felt like Notre Dame got back up to speed. So we'll start off with Mike Sanford talking about Ian Book. You're adding Ian Book in this class quarterback from Northern California. He was a guy that you saw as good enough to play at Boise State when you were there. At what point in the process were you like, this guy's good enough to play at Notre Dame? What did he show you? Uh, early on, um, when I first got here, and uh, it wasn't just me. It was uh, it was Coach Coach Denbrock, Coach Kelly. Showed, showed his film, I think, in the first week or two that I was actually here on campus. And um, you know, I told Ian, I said, hey, listen, um, I believe in you. I believe that you're good enough to play and be successful at any, any level in college football in the country. Um, but I'm supposed to go out there and make sure I evaluate all these, uh, these big wigs. And so I'm going to do that. I'm going to go out and watch these guys throw it. I'm going to have them on campus. I'm going to see what their competitive IQs are. Um, and, uh, quite frankly, uh, I came back around to the conclusion, um, that I thought I would. <laughs> um, and, and that not only I thought that, that, uh, I feel like coach Denbrock thought. 
coach. You know, you know Notre Dame history probably better than most assistant coaches because of your background here. And you, you, you know you were mentioning some of the former great Notre Dame quarterbacks and saying, you know, those guys weren't 6'4", 6'5". And I'll add a couple to your list, Tony Rice, Tom Clements. Jarius Jackson. Jarius Jackson. There's a long, long list of them. Um, what about Ian Book led you to believe that this this is the guy and, and he has everything that we need to run this offense? Great football player. Uh, complete football player at the quarterback position. Tough. Uh, number one characteristic was toughness that I'm always looking for. Um, number two is that he's productive and he's a winner. And he's made his program better as a result of his growth. Um, you know, I think he's a good decision maker. You always look at touchdown-interception ratio, and his is off the charts. Outstanding. Um, not even, you know, close to the three-to-one ratio. He's closer to five, six-to-one. Um, and then you look at, uh, you know, accuracy. This guy, you know, completing passes, uh, you know, at the 72% clip. And this isn't an offense that throws a bubble screen every single every single play. Um, they, they they push the ball down the field. He throws in the seams. He throws uh, comebacks. He throws on the run. So this is a guy that you know is completing the ball at a very high pace. And, and you know I think that's really big. And then leadership. He's a he's a leader. He's a guy that even in this class you saw him around uh, during his, his his official visit. And he was a leader. I know we don't have access to all the film that you do, but one of the things that jumped out to me was. And it ties in with what you're saying with with percentage and touchdown interception ratio. It's either caught by his receiver or it's not caught most of the time. Do you, you see that? Character? He doesn't underthrow right. a lot of passes. He's he's a guy who I've had a chance to watch work out um, even even since the, the end of the season, and uh, he does with the football what he wants to do with the football. And I think that's a thing that, um, that you're always looking for. Um, there's not going to be a lot of coaching done to his throwing process, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, so we can coach the intellect. We can coach the development of understanding our offense. Um, we, can, we can get him bigger and stronger. But uh, the, the football does what he wants it to do and does it consistently. The ball jumps out of his hand naturally. And so... Uh, you know, I've seen that with my own eyes uh, multiple times, uh, up to like eight times now, so it's, uh, it's pretty good. <laughs> you talked about Sacramento, and they throw year-round in Sacramento, so I take it that won't be the last time you'll be making a visit there. We'll see. You know, we'll see. Uh, you know, it, it is a place, I mean, it's funny. I mean, you, you, look, at, you look at the actual, uh, you know, evaluation of, of players. Uh, there are parts of the country where they play football for three months of the year, <laughs> and the rest of the time it's weight room, maybe some basketball, maybe some other sport. Um, these kids are playing year-round, and um, if you want to get good at something you got to do it a lot you got to build up those kind of kinesthetic reps and they're doing it day in that's day how out. you get outliers right, right. I mean, within... lastly he's coming into a quarterback room that's loaded not just with competitive alpha personalities who also have a lot of eligibility left so what is it about his makeup that made him want to jump into that yeah. that church and, and, and honestly that's a great question a big part of our evaluation process of this class and this quarterback was is this young man going to come in and compete his butt off for four or five years because we really believe that there's some certain players in the country that we got around our group and we saw you know they they, they hesitated a little yeah. bit and they looked around like we don't want that kid here because guess what He's gone in a year. He's gone in two years. We want somebody who's going to compete vigilantly and actively for four to five years, and we really believe that Ian Book is that kid, not because he's not a five-star, but because that's his makeup. And he's a competitive he's a competitive player. Um, he was competitive in his high school environment, um, and, and I think that's really what, what we're bringing to the table here is a competitor. That's, that, that's got some skill set. Thanks. Mike Sanford, Notre Dame's quarterback coach, joining us today. Joined by Notre Dame receivers coach. An associate head coach? Sure. Got our titles right? Let's go. Mike Let's Dem- get it. Mike Dembrock. Uh, 
Receivers West Coast, definitely a feel for that. Chase Claypool and Javon McKinley. Claypool, to me, is one of the most interesting guys in this class and, and maybe in the past few classes. I'm curious, when you first heard about him, the genesis of that recruitment, you're like, Abbotsford, that's where? Um, you take us all the way back to that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, well, I, I have uh, a guy... Actually, a couple guys in in Canada that over the years from being at different universities and actually being at the University of Washington, who, because it's so close to the Canadian border, there was always some communication when he had what he thought was a guy who was our level. Uh, He would reach out and say, hey, you got to take a look at this guy and da-da-da-da-da. And he kind of did the same thing. He said, this guy is a a freak athlete that is long, um, really good student, which was part of it as well. And and, uh, he said, you got to take a look at this guy. So he sent me some information on him, and we began to investigate him a little bit. And then, you you know, you put his tape on, and you go, pretty dynamic. And then you go, okay, well, that's good. It's Canada. Let's see how he does it, you know, in the States. And then, you know, he went and, and just did the same thing against anybody he playing against. And now he's averaging 50 points a game playing basketball. So, I mean, we knew from an athletic standpoint there was something pretty dynamic going on there. And uh, when we got a chance to kind of get him here and meet him and uh, spend some time with him, we knew he was a fit university-wise then as well. And, uh, you know, where he ends up, I'm not sure. You know, he's like I said. I think he's he just turned 17 years old. So he's he's got size 16 feet, and he's about 227, 28 pounds right now. So um, where it goes from here is <laughs> is anybody's guess. But he's going to start out as a wide receiver, and and we'll make the best of it. Every year we're we're like, okay, this guy reminds me of that guy, and Claypool is one of those guys. I can't. Yeah, I, I, mean, I don't have anybody. I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, I. If I, I don't really have anybody I could compare him to, I mean, you know, if you say, oh, okay, a big receiver, the first guy that pops into my brain would be Corey Robinson. But Corey Robinson was a beanpole uh, when he showed up, and here's this kid who's just a man, you know. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see anybody uh, that I could really say, okay, this is the guy, and uh, it, it doesn't hit my brain that way either. And you mentioned Stefferson previously, and this isn't a comparison to Will Fuller, but you say what you see in Stefferson is a lot different than what recruiting services saw in him. Sure. And I think that, that happened with Will Fuller. You could not have been higher on right. Will Fuller coming in here right. at the time. I know it was a different star ranking. Right. It doesn't really matter. But sure. what was it about Stefferson, especially seeing him in person, which is the most important thing to you at this position you're recruiting him? That was the tipping point for me uh, when he came up here. I, w- I had my doubts. You know, I'd like to film um he sent us some film from his spring workout um that was him doing individual drills and cutting and doing some different things that okay that piqued my interest a little bit more i still really wasn't as willing to kind of move in that direction yet because i knew we needed some dynamic guys because there was the threat of will leaving early there was a threat of uh, i knew breezy was leaving i knew that uh you know, Amir wasn't going to be here anymore. So there was going to be some opportunity for somebody if they had the right skill set to kind of contribute. So I wanted to make sure we got these right. And uh, then when he came up here for Irish Invasion and I got a chance to work with him and watch him just fluidly move around the field and, and some of the explosiveness that he showed, I, I thought it was kind of a no-brainer. Most important position to see live? Or is it every position you need to see live, oh, of course? Boy. Well, as many as you possibly <laughs> yeah. could, yeah, for sure. But, you know, because uh, I think from, from just this is just a personal feeling. I mean, the more that you can 
you know, watch those guys. And, and that way, in your own mind, when you see them in person, you can kind of reflect back to what you have and what you're working with and kind of judge it as to, okay, this guy would fit at Z, he would fit at X, you know, I can move this guy over here. And you start to figure in your own mind how the pieces of the puzzle would fit together once you see him in person. You watch him on tape and you're like, okay, he looks fast, but how fast are the guys he's running against? Okay, how, you know what I mean? You don't really, you try to judge it as best you can, but you don't know for sure. Uh, go ahead. Javon McKinley, his recruitment much different than Claypool or Stefferson. It was more of a knockdown, drag out go the distance right. somewhat when right. did you feel ultimately confident that you had him oh he it, it's funny because i was talking to him and his mother about this the last time i was there um he knew a long time ago but like some of them they won't tell you so it was it was i wasn't confident until really probably a couple weeks ago um that it looked like it was going to really fall in our direction and then it really over the army game it really started to have traction and he announced and, and we were you know we felt really good about it but he it's what's funny is he when his last visit up here uh his mom shared with me while i was there in the home that you know they walked out of a meeting with me and and javon was like coach or, or mom i'm let's go I'm, I'm ready to go into coach and she's like whoa 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 he's like no mom i'm ready i'm, I'm, I'm uh, this is what i want to do and and she wasn't ready to let him do that yet. So, but you never know. Yeah. You know what I mean. He kept us. He kept us on pins and needles for a while. But uh, what a great addition to what we're going to do. We're with Notre Dame running backs coach Autry Denson and coach. I've known you since uh, we were looking at the high school film of you as well. And I know, I know how excited you were to come back here. I know how excited you are on the recruiting trail. And now you've got not only two young running backs coming in, but really a total of four with. With Josh, with uh, Josh Adams and Dexter Williams, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, uh, the 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 room is starting to look like what I want it to look like. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a lot of guys with a lot of skills. Uh, in this day and age, you have to have backs that can come in and play. You saw it last year. Uh, you can't have a drop off. There's no longer, you know, just the landscape of college football has changed so much with the playoffs and things of that nature. You can't have a drop off at your number two or your number three guy. And I mean, as you see, the number two, the number three, the number four guys sometimes playing. So you got to be able to develop them all. And it helps when they have a lot of God given talent. How important was it for you to get a guy like Tony Jones? I mean, you, you guys have struggled a little bit in the red zone, some third and fourth and short situations. I know, you know, watching him, he's got some mm-hmm. wiggle at the point yeah. of attack and he can get out into space. But I would imagine, first and foremost, mm-hmm. you're thinking he's going to address some of those short yardage situations for you. Uh, definitely. You always want a guy, and, and I'll say this, uh, Torian filled that role for us, and then he went down. Uh, I, I, te- I actually feel, you know, the advantage I have is being a, a Notre Dame coach, a Notre Dame alumni, is that uh, I feel like we haven't had that guy that just hammer, physical, that brings that physical mentality to the position every down since Robert Hughes. You know, a guy that, I mean, I don't care what's happening. I don't care if the all five linemen fall down. He's going to run over the first two men and just get you yardage. And so, Tony, that's what I see the role Tony feeling, and it was important to get that mentality back because it permeates your offense. I mean, it's contagious. Everybody, you know, it's nothing more, you know, exciting than to watch a guy, you know, just – give second effort, run guys over. And like you said, he can do the other things as well. I spoke with you several times in your previous coaching stints before we mm-hmm. were even talking yeah, about right. you coming to Notre Dame. <laughs> and, and, and I know you know how excited you are to represent Notre Dame. And you mentioned in talking to the group out here that in both instances with these young backs, um, you were able to plug and play. You were already mm-hmm. recruiting them. 
How cool was it for you to be able to kind of flip that message around to the Notre Dame message at that point? Man, it was really cool. I mean, again, and obviously uh, it, it worked, but uh, it, it was really cool, man. Like I said, I'm, I'm in a very blessed position. I mean, it's not many guys that can coach football that are, I mean, blessed to coach on this level, let alone at their alma mater. So when you live it, it's natural, and I know that sincerity came out. You know, they knew I loved Notre Dame before I was at Notre Dame because I was already plugging Notre Dame before that. So, uh, no, but it's really cool. Andre, I'm curious, a year ago when Tony Alford left, you were close with him, mm-hmm. and I think there was concern about, okay, what's Notre Dame going to do in Florida? How are, Can they sort of keep up what Tony was doing down there? At what point in this cycle did you feel comfortable, like, okay, I got the message, I got it down because I went here, but I'm delivering it in the right way. When did you feel comfortable walking into schools with Notre Dame polo, Notre Dame pullover? I've never not felt uncomfortable, ever. I didn't have to get a message down either. So because, again, it is who I am. Mm-hmm. What you have to realize is coming coming from Notre Dame, you are forever identified with being a Notre Dame graduate or a Notre Dame alumni. So although I was going into the school with a Bethune-Cookman pullover, a Miami of Ohio, or a University of South Florida, they were already still saying, but Notre Dame. I mean, so that label, you, it's a good or bad, you're stuck with it, and it's been more good, and it is good. So I never had to not be Notre Dame, even when I was at another school, because it's who I am. I think for a lot of coaches, it's about building relationships when they come in. Did you feel like you had sort of um, I guess a pre-made or these relationships were built before you even had to show up this cycle? No, nah, I mean, I'm, I am the beneficiary of a, a, a relationship. I mean, I was born there. I, I grew up there. But at the same time now, and my wife tells me this all the time, you can't dismiss the fact there are a lot of good football players that came out of there that people won't even open the door for. So uh, the reputation, the man that God has been allowed to, you know, the, the man that God has created me to be is I have a very good reputation because of, you know, the things that we're, we've been able to do in the area. So on the flip side of that, if I, I mean, when people know you a long time, they also know the good, the bad, and the ugly. So if I was not who my mother raised me to be, you know, if I was not operating with character, those relationships wouldn't matter. And there are plenty of men, you know, guys that have played in Florida that are in the coach profession that don't get the benefits. Lastly, before I let you go, what's one thing about the recruiting process you feel like people don't get or don't understand um, that, that you see and live on a day-to-day basis? I will say from our side, I'm blessed to have been, you know, uh, I had my share of, our, share of schools to go to, so I've lived what they're going through, the constant calling, all of that stuff. And uh, I think the one thing that, you know, and I'll say it on our side of profession that people don't get is I don't call these guys a lot. I'm not going to bombard them. They don't need to be hanging on the phone with me. I didn't appreciate it, mm-hmm. and I don't do it to them. We're going to have quality conversations. When I call them, it's going to be because I want to talk to them. We will have a real relationship. It's not going to be whether, you know, they're coming to Notre Dame or not. We don't talk about that. I really want to get to know them as a person and then respect them for who they are and where they're at in their position. They're a high school senior that needs to hang out with their friends. We need, they need to preserve and enjoy that year as much as possible. So I go out of my way to make sure that they're focused on their schoolwork, they're focused on having fun, and that they understand that their commitment is not to us or any other recruiter. It's to that school that they're at. So having been there, it helps because, I mean, that's the way I, I went through the process. All right. Thanks, Coach Jensen. Right. appreciate no it. No problem, man. Thank you. Joined by Notre Dame recruiting coordinator Mike Elston here on National Signing Day. And, it, you know, there's the stories of classes usually are about players, but I think for this one it was about your recruiting department. You mentioned talking to the Assembled Media, you lose four coaches, your recruiting staff turns over. 
you're naturally going to be behind a little bit because right. of the relationships that are walking out of this building. Right. I'm curious at what point in this cycle you felt like, okay, we're back to a good spot. We're back to a healthy, even position. I felt like after, <clears throat> after Irish invasion, we had some great momentum with some really good players. And we knew that the, the momentum had kind of changed back to, okay, and if we could just get one or two of those guys, uh, you know, we felt like, I feel like at that time the momentum changed and, and we were building great relationships and our, we were getting some exposure and, and people started to notice a change in the recruiting and I think it was Irish Invasion that went the turn when I felt comfortable with it. And you, you mentioned up there, you know, you come to the job are we going to have a top 25 class here? Right. At that point, are you thinking more, okay, this, this is more of the traditional top 10 Notre Dame is going to end up where it usually ends up on National Signing Day? Right. Yeah, well, you know, the, the goal was to hopefully get in the top 10 just so we can we had something to build on. Mm-hmm. Like next year's class will probably be a little smaller. I'm you know, not quite sure of the numbers. But, uh, you know, we've already got a really good start of building relationships and um, I see that being a, a very impressive class. So this was just something we were trying to hopefully get in the top ten and and, uh, and make a statement and then, you know, continue to build that. No committed kid took an official visit elsewhere. No decommitments. The first the first time that's happened since Brian Kelly's been here, and I, I can't remember the last time that occurred ever right. here. Um, you just chalk that up to good communication, uh, a, a balanced recruiting staff. Where, where do you, would you point to there? Yeah, you know, I, I, I've answered a question already, which is it's a great question. Number one is, uh, you know, building relationships. That's that's obvious. You have successful season. You know, that's really sure. good. And then a, a consistent message, I think, is it would be the third thing I'd draw on. You know, messages weren't changing throughout the course of the year, throughout the cycle. Um, we were very consistent with the young men about if they dis- if they chose to, you know, go somewhere else, then, okay, well, Um, You know, you're going to miss out on this opportunity possibly because we may give your scholarship away. So communication is very critical. Um, But relationships, uh, success, and communication, I would say, would be the top three things. I think you have 22 signed right now, possibly 23, possibly actually a little bit more than that. But of those 22, if Dalen Hayes is a defensive lineman and Jameer Jones ends up there and then all the guys in secondary, more than half, 12 of those guys, are D linemen Mm -hmm. and defensive backs. Right. Last year came up short at safety. I think you guys would probably admit that you didn't hit your target last year at safety and right. and, and and perhaps on the defensive line. How big of a priority were those two spots? I mean, that's that was basically the entire defense. We feel we feel like we um, we finally I don't want to say the word finally, but we got it right in the back end of the defense. We got the numbers right, you know. And people don't understand uh, how the numbers on the back end of the defense or even wide receiver affect so much of the game with special teams. You know, you're putting linebackers in a position on special teams that really should have a big, fast, strong safety or a corner. So we had to get the numbers right. We played top three teams, Clemson that we played, uh, Ohio State and USC. We didn't even put a nickel in the game because we didn't have one. So we finally feel like we got the numbers right in the back end of our defense. And, uh, and then the other priority was to fulfill um, a pass rush need, which we feel like we've done that. Um, you know, we, we wish that Jalen Smith was coming back so he didn't have such a need at, at Will Linebacker. But, hey, you know, uh, I, f- I feel like in this class, it could, be, it could be Jameer, it could be Julian, it could be, um, you know, guys to come. But it's, it's going to be – we'll be good at linebacker. we got some really good, young, talented players. It, it looks like now, I mean, your depth are at a corner and safety. If it's not four deep, it's five deep. Correct. That's got to be really exciting for you. Yeah, guys. I mean, we were we were we were telling people no at the end. I mean, and, and that's a good position to be in, you know. So, 
it's uh, we, we finally got it right. You were talking about being creative and recruiting, and you mentioned Think Tank and Golden Idea of the Day, and of course you were also asked about um, taking the truck down right, to uh, right. down south. Uh, how how did Coach Kelly spring that on you guys, and what was your first thought when you heard it? We actually had a uh, we were having a recruiting weekend, and um, I don't know what what brought it to his mind, but he walked down the hall and he goes, "What do you think about this?" I think I said, "I think it's brilliant." I said, let's call compliance. Let's get on the phone with the Ryan Grooms. Let's get the driver on. Let's see what his timetable is, mm-hmm. see how expensive it is, and <laughs> get moving on. And it, it was boom, boom, within 10 minutes. He'll be there Tuesday at this time. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Lastly, before I let you go, what's something about the recruiting process that the average fan maybe doesn't understand that you feel like, if, if I could just get this point across to somebody right. who follows recruiting or follows Notre Dame football, it would be this? Well, you know, we have such challenging jobs to develop the young men on our current roster that we have so much interaction and time commitment with the the recruiting process it's truly when it's dead it's not dead there's no dead period it's a 365 day out of the year job of communication because if you're not building the relationship with them somebody else is so it is non-stop and even when I'm home I'm not truly home all the time with my my thoughts and my brain and um, so it's a it's it's a big big time commitment when you when you throw in the recruiting along with the coaching. You know it's not the NFL where someone else is putting together a draft board for you and when you're off you're off. You know it's it is nonstop. Right. So thank you very much, Mike Elson, our recruiter quarter. Thank you, appreciate right. it. That's it for our assistant coaching interviews on our post-national signing day podcast of Irish Illustrated Insider. We're going to take a week off. We'll come back on Monday, February fifteenth. Talk a little bit of Notre Dame hoops. They host North Carolina and host Louisville until our next podcast. And inevitably, there will be some Notre Dame football news as well. So until next time, you've been listening to Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Pete Sampson, joined by Tim O'Malley and Tim Priester. 